The reading today is Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owned him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all the money he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is God's word. So um, thinking about forgiveness then, that's, that's Peter's question uh, to Jesus, verse 22. Um, how many times shall I, shall I forgive? I, I, think, I think we all know that there's something beautiful about forgiveness, isn't there? Like that Corey Ten Boone video. There's something beautiful about that, isn't there? Something um, restorative, something moving uh, about forgiveness. And on the other hand, there's, there's something ugly about unforgiveness, it can be so, um, so damaging. I have an, an elderly neighbour, a bloke called Amir, who I've been getting to know over the last month. And um, he, he had a falling out many years ago with his family. And he's done the opposite of Corrie ten Boom. Um, he's, I don't know what, what went wrong. It's something to do with money. But he's, he's, he's held on to that resentment through the years. He's taken every opportunity he can to try and make his family pay for, for, for what they've done to him. And as, as he talks about it, you see his shoulders get all tense and his voice starts to get really angry. Um, and it's, it's, it's been damaging. It's torn his family apart. But more than that, it's eaten away at him. It, it's left him over decades of holding on to this resentment. It's left him extremely lonely. Um, and extremely bitter. There's something beautiful about forgiveness. There's something ugly about, about unforgiveness. It's not just that it damages relationships, it kind of eats away at your personality as well. And so I think that, that, this question that, that, that Peter asked Jesus, how many times shall I forgive? I think it really matters for, well, for all of us because we each get wronged. Don't we? I'm sure everybody here 
um, has an experience of being caused pain as a result of someone else's actions. Now, for some of us here, that might be in really serious, deep, and ongoing ways. The idea for you of forgiveness might be really, really complicated. For others of us, you might have someone causing you pain at the moment in an ongoing way. For some of us, it might not be so dramatic. It might just be that kind of in ordinary day-to-day life when we experience people wronging us, we have that, that, that tendency to be frustrated to harbor those resentments. But, but in small ways and in big ways, everybody here, we all get wronged. And so what Jesus is going to say, I think it's going to be really important to us because we all get wronged. And when we get wronged, we find it hard to do the beautiful thing, don't we? The the, the Corrie ten Boom thing, that doesn't come naturally to us. Now, Instinctively, if you're anything like me, instinctively what I want to do is hold on to the resentment, is give in to that that, that desire I have to, to make the other person pay. Instinctively, I kind of want to do the ugly thing and not forgive. Now, I think for me, that, that, that shows itself in, in various ways. I think particularly, there, I've been thinking about it, three ways, I think, that I'm tempted to do the, the ugly thing and unforgive. First of all, um, I'm tempted to try and make the other person pay in my mind. Okay, so I had an argument with someone earlier this week, and I found, uh, I thought I felt wronged in the argument. Went home, and 11 o'clock that night, I was lying in bed going over and over the argument in my head. Do you ever do that? Going over and over the argument in my head. But in my head, I was winning. You don't want to argue with me in my head, I always win. I was going over and over the argument, but what was I doing there? In my imagination, I was trying to make this person pay. I was trying to sort of show them how wrong they were and make them sorry going over and over the issue in my head, punishing them in my mind. That's, the, that's one way that this kind of ugliness shows itself for me. The second one, I found that I really wanted to tell other people what this person had done. Now, of course, I wouldn't have called it gossiping, but I wanted to, to tell people what this person had done, just kind of chip away at their reputation a bit, try and make them pay by telling other people what they'd done. The third thing for me, I wanted to make this person pay. The next time I saw them, I wanted to be emotionally cold. I wanted to just be a bit more withdrawn. I wanted this person to realize that I was was upset and and, and kind of punish them, make them sorry for the way they treated me. It's the grown-up version of sulking, really, isn't it? three, Three things for me, three ways that the ugliness showed itself. But I wonder what it is for you. If you think of an example from your life of someone wronging you, how do you deal with it? See, instinctively, we want to do the ugly thing. And there are many, many ways that we hold it against people when we're wronged. But although each of them kind of feel good for a bit, they don't give you any peace. They're each ugly. So I think Peter's question here, it really matters for each of us here this morning because we all get wronged and we all instinctively want to do the ugly thing and try and make the other person pay for it. And Jesus has a a lot to say in this passage. He's speaking primarily to Christians. It comes at the end of a chapter where he's talking about uh, how Christians treat each other in church. Um, And earlier in the chapter, he's spoken about how to go about reconciling, the kind of mechanics of it. But here he addresses the heart, the attitude. He's speaking about our hearts in that moment of needing to forgive uh, someone. And I think he gives us a key that will unlock our hearts, the, the key to doing the beautiful thing.
the key to choosing to forgive someone rather than hold it against them. The first big thing uh, for us to, 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 to see, um, it should be a, on a point on the outline uh, that you were given, is that um, uh, Jesus does command forgiveness. So have a look at verse 21 with me. Then uh, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against uh, me? Um, up to seven times? Now, Peter probably thinks um, he's being quite generous here. Apparently, religious leaders at the time would teach that you had to forgive someone three times. So Peter, right, he's doubled that and added one. He's probably expecting a bit of a pat on the head uh, from Jesus. But you can imagine his face falling, can't you? As Jesus says, verse 22, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, um, the point there isn't count up to 76, and then if it happens again, nail them. No, the point of 77 is stop counting. Stop counting. It's a radical standard that Jesus is giving here. He's telling his followers to forgive without keeping tabs. A radical standard of total forgiveness. Now, I think the, the, just three quick misunderstandings that I, I want to knock on the head. Um, forgiveness, when Jesus commands forgiveness here, um, forgiveness is, is not an emotion. Okay, forgiveness doesn't mean that you instantly feel lovely, warm, fuzzy feelings towards the other person. No, it's, it's an act of the will. And we pray and we hope that, that the feelings follow, and they often do, like they did for Cory ten Boom. But forgiveness doesn't rely on those emotions. It's an act of the will, and we pray that the emotions follow. So, first of all, forgiveness is not an emotion. Um, secondly, forgiveness is not ignoring the problem. Okay, forgiveness does not mean that you forget about the problem and just roll over and let the person run all over you. Um, forgiveness is not pretending it didn't happen. You can forgive someone and insist on dealing with the issue. Uh, it's particularly important to hear um, for anyone who might have or might be experiencing abuse. Forgiveness does not mean you ignore the problem or you don't get help. It's quite possible to say to someone, look, I forgive you, but we have to get help. Or I forgive you in extreme circumstances. I, I honestly and truly forgive you, but I think it's right that you get prosecuted. Forgiveness is, is, is it's not ignoring the problem. Thirdly, um, forgiveness is not reconciliation. You see, um, reconciliation right, is when, when the relationship is, is restored, when it gets back to what it was. Now, for that to happen, that, that requires all sorts of things for, for, for reconciliation. You, you, there, it, it needs the other person to admit they've done something wrong and say sorry. It needs uh, trust to be rebuilt over time. It needs the issue itself to be, to be dealt with. So reconciliation, it depends on all sorts of things that are, rely on the other person. That's why Jesus can't, he doesn't command his followers to be reconciled with everyone because that's outside of your control. It depends to a large extent on the other person. But he does command me to forgive. See, forgiveness doesn't depend on any of those things. I can forgive someone even if they never apologize or admit they've done anything wrong. I can't be reconciled with that person, but I, I can forgive them. 
uh, I can forgive someone even if the relationship never recovers. So forgiveness, it's not an emotion. It's not ignoring the problem and it's not reconciliation. Well, what is it then? I think forgiveness means refusing to hold their wrongdoing against them on a personal level. It means refusing to make the other person pay for it on a personal level. Refusing to give in to that, 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 that urge I have just to make them pay. Refusing to do any of those things that I mentioned for myself. Refusing to um, punish them in my mind. Refusing to uh, tell other people what they've done and damage their reputation. Um, refusing to be emotionally cold and distant, trying to punish them with my, my, my attitude towards them. Refusing to do any of those ugly things. Refusing to, to try and make the other person pay for it on a personal uh, level. That's what Jesus calls uh, his followers to, to forgive without keeping tabs. How many times shall I forgive my brother? 77. <laughs> Stop keeping tabs. So the question is, what does that standard mean for you in your life, if you'd call yourself a Christian here this morning? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there a face popping into your mind? right now. See, whether it's for something big or something small, Jesus' uh, standard is the same. We are to forgive without keeping record. And I know that for some here, that will be extremely complicated. For some here, that might take years of talking uh, and praying about. But Jesus' standard is the same. We are to forgive without keeping tabs. And I think in, in the rest of the passage, uh, he tells a story that I think gives us the key, gives us the key to unlocking our hearts, just like it did for Corey Ten Boone in the video. So uh, we're going to launch into the story now. Verse 23, Jesus says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, uh, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold uh, to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. So the first part of this uh, this key to forgiveness, I think, is to uh, to see the extent of God's forgiveness, to see the extent of uh, God's forgiveness. Imagine the scene with me. Um, There's the king sitting in his uh, luxurious uh, palace office, sitting behind a big oak desk, Um, and there's a calculator on it. And as he pulls out his file and opens it, looking to settle his debts, there's this knock on the door, um, and a man's brought before him. And this man is looking terrified, because he owes the king an enormous debt. It's 10,000 it's 10, talents, according to this story. Um, now, that one talent was worth about 20 years' wages for an average laborer. So this guy owes more than Greece, right? It's an, it's an enormous debt. It's way, way, way more than he could ever pay. You could spend your whole life trying to repay and not make a dent in that. It's a huge debt, but it's absolutely crushing for this man. He never had any hope of paying it off as he stood there kind of in front of the king. And you imagine the king ordering the bailiffs to repossess this man's house. And as he does that, the man's knees hit the floor and he 
begs. And you see the king pause, thinking for a moment. And then, uh, then he reaches for his stamp. He, he dabs it on the ink pad and brings it down, whack, on the man's file. Debt cancelled. Have a look at verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Now, I think the interesting thing here, right, is that that cost doesn't just disappear. But that cost is, is absorbed by the king. It's always costly to forgive a debt. But the point here is the king chooses to absorb that cost himself, to pay that debt himself, that this man may go free. This huge debt cancelled by the king. Now, what, what earth has that got to do with us? Well, the debt that that man owes the king um, it's, it's a little picture of the debt that we each owe to God. And Jesus wants us to see here just how huge that debt really is. So we're going to spend a moment just, just, just thinking about that together. This may be familiar to many of us, but it bears thinking about just how huge that debt is. As the Bible tells us that we were, we were made to um, enjoy a relationship with God. We were made to enjoy the love that God has in himself. In fact, that the whole earth was made as a venue for us to enjoy that love uh, from God. In fact, the Bible says that, that like a loving father, every good, um, he, he loves to give us good gifts and that every good gift we have is a gift from his hands. So just think about that for a sec. Think about that. Imagine every good thing in your life as a gift from your heavenly Father's hands. Every pleasure, every laugh, every comfort as a kind gift from, from his hands, God's loving hands. Well, despite that, is our instinct to love him and to thank him? Or is our instinct to ignore him and go against what he says. See, it's not necessarily that we do lots of really bad things, but we throw that love back in his face, don't we? Or we take his good gifts and turn our backs on him instinctively. It's outrageous. We owe to God an astronomical debt. Each breath that we take, take a breath, gift from him. We owe to God an astronomical debt. And it's a debt that we could never pay. The way we sin against him, the debt we owe, it's beyond repayment. You can't sort this debt out by trying to do good things, by trying to be better. No, like the servant in front of that king, our only hope is if the king cancels our debt. But what would it cost God to, to do that? What would it cost God to cancel your debts? Would it cost him, uh, or unlike the king in this story, it doesn't cost him money. It doesn't cost him, I don't know, an angel. It doesn't cost him the whole world. What did it cost God to forgive your debts? The blood of the Lord Jesus. 
the life of God the Son. See, if you're here and you're, you're still not convinced about what it would cost God to forgive you, just have a look for a second at what it costs God to cancel our debts. Just look with me at God cancelling our debt. These words should come up on the screen behind me. These are from Matthew's Gospel. They stripped him, Jesus, and put a scarlet robe on him. Then they twisted together a a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spat on him and took a staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they'd mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Here is God cancelling our debt. So if you're a Christian here this morning, do you realise just how much you've been forgiven? How huge that debt was and how high the price was that paid that, that he paid, the life of God the Son. Do you see God's love for you in that? The key to forgiving other people is realizing how much you have been forgiven. It's to see the extent of God's forgiveness for you. That's the first part of this kind of key to forgiveness. See how much you've been forgiven. The second part is to see the the hypocrisy of unforgiveness. Um, Have a look down at verse 27 with me. The servant's master took pity on him, him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, about 8,000 pounds worth. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went and had the man thrown in prison uh, until he could pay the debt. So again, just picture verse 28 with me, right? Imagine we, we see that servant he, walking out of the king's office, a free man, debt cancelled, that, that huge load kind of taken off his shoulders. What would you expect him to do? I'd expect him to go home and, and celebrate with his family or something, right? But as he's walking through the palace, he remembers, oh no, that guy who works downstairs, he owes me 8,000 pounds. So he goes and he finds him. And when he sees the guy, he grabs him and starts to choke him. Say, pay back what you owe me. Look look at what the, the guy who he's choking, look at what he says in verse 29. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Now, compare that to what this bloke said in verse 26. It's exactly the same thing. He's putting this guy in the same situation, and he's saying, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Well, verse 30, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. He calls the police and has this bloke chucked in jail. Now, 8,000 pounds is not nothing. Right? It, would, it would be costly to, to repay that debt. But compared to what's just happened, uncounted millions. 
to refuse to forgive this guy. It's outrageous. And word gets around the palace, and the king hears about what's happened, and he is furious. He has our friend dragged back in front of him. And look at what he says, verse 32. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? The, the logic there is so simple, isn't it? If the king was willing to cancel such a huge debt, it's outrageous for this man to refuse to forgive a much smaller debt. It's, it's, it's throwing that cost back in the king's face, isn't it? And so here's the point for you and me. If God was willing to pay such a huge price to forgive us, for us to forgive another person, well, it's throwing that cost back in God's face. So when we do any of those ugly things that I mentioned at the beginning, when I, when, I, when I stew on it in my mind, or when I gossip about the person behind their back, or when I go emotionally cold with the person, when I do any of those ugly things, it's throwing that cost back in God's face. Now look at verse 34 and verse 35 with me. In his anger... His master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Ouch. That's a serious warning there, isn't it? I mean, Jesus seems to equate refusing to forgive someone else with not being converted. A hardened refusal to forgive other, uh, other people, it seems like that's a mark. It shows that you don't really know what it means to be forgiven. Now, I, I want to be really careful here because I want to make it really clear. Finding it hard to forgive someone is not the same as flat out refusing to forgive someone. You see, there'll be there'll be those of us here who would say, "Look, look, I want to forgive. I'm trying to forgive. But if you knew what had happened to me, you would understand. That there are some days I just I just don't feel that I can." And if that's you, I, I suppose I want to say, look, there are lots of ways that many of us are kind of inconsistent in our, in our faith and we ebb and flow in different ways. And forgiveness is a decision that we take time and time again over a lifetime. It's not a one-off moment. There'll be times where, uh, where it might feel much harder than others. But, but, but finding it hard and having moments of thinking, I can't do this, that is not the same thing. Finding it hard to forgive someone, that is not the same thing as a flat-out hardened refusal. That attitude which says, I will never forgive this person. That attitude, for that attitude, verse 35 is pretty scary. Because Jesus here, he equates that kind of attitude with not being forgiven. If you flat out refuse to offer forgiveness to someone else, it shows that you don't really understand what it means, what it means to be forgiven. 
But I suppose the reverse is also true. If you do know what it means to be forgiven, that experience enables you, it empowers you to forgive other people. You see, um, Jesus, in, in summary, I suppose, Jesus, he wants his followers to see ourselves in this story. In those moments where we find it hard to forgive, he wants us to see ourselves in this story, to recognize the extent of God's forgiveness in our own lives. If you struggle to forgive or if you hold grudges, the, the key right, is not to go away and try harder. And the Bible's more realistic than that. The key is for you to recognize how much God has forgiven you. See, however much we've been wronged, however much we've been hurt, the way that we have wronged God, the way that we have hurt him is far worse And he forgave us. He paid the price. He he absorbed the cost out of love for us. And now he wants that love to flow through us to other people. Just like it did in that video with Corey Ten Boone. So we're not to be like that, that servant grabbing the other one and choking him. Pay me what you owe me. We're not to hold it against people when they owe us a debt. We're not to gossip about them or, or, or go over and over it in our heads or any of those things or sulk, refuse to speak to them. We're to forgive fully and freely because of how much we've been forgiven. Let me pray and then we'll respond in song. Oh, Father, as I I speak about these things, I'm so aware that there'll be situations here that I know nothing about, that for many of us, forgiveness will be a really, really complicated thing. But Father, I do pray that that an experience of your love, that our understanding of this story will enable us, will liberate us, will free us to forgive those uh, that wrong us in our lives. I pray that, that this story would enable us to do the beautiful thing like Corey Ten Boone, to forgive others rather than hold it against them. We ask this, Lord, uh, in, in your name and for your glory. Amen.